Good morning. I hope you guys are as excited to be here as we are to be with you. Um, uh, we are going through this series called Jesus More Than a Name, uh, analyzing the encounters that Jesus had with different people. And, and what we can learn is uh, who the real Jesus is through the impact that he had in, on, on these people. Today, as you heard Pastor Mark, we're going to talk about uh, his encounter with a man named Nicodemus. Uh, I'm sure many of you have read about him or, or at least heard about him. Um, uh, to me, this encounter is a bit different because uh, if you go through the Gospels and you see the encounters that Jesus had, you're going to see how it's clear that he came for the sinners. You know, like when he, he, he went to that well in uh, Samaria to, to talk to that woman, uh, you'll see that that woman was a sinner that knew that was a sinner she knew it so well that she was ashamed to even be seen by, by the other woman. That's why she went during the day to the well. Or, or, or if you see the interactions that he has with some of the Pharisees, you know, we see that these guys are arrogant people, like Simon, who has him over for lunch at his house, but it's more like to show off that, that he's there more than to honor him, and the only one that walks out justified that day is the prostitute that, is, uh, that shows up at his house. Uh, but, but when you look at Nicodemus and, and his life, you're going to see that uh, he's one of the good guys. You know, he's a Pharisee, but he's a good person. We're going we're gonna to see that in a minute. Uh, the problem with him is that he thinks that he is good with God, uh, as many people in the church today, just because he knows a lot of things about God. You know, and, and, and what he's going to learn after his encounter with Jesus and through the process of his life is that at the end of the day, he's blind, he's lost, and he's dead. But, but that day, that, that encounter with Jesus started something in him that is going to change completely his life and is going to literally take him from darkness to light. So um, let me pray for us and, and, and let's analyze what happened uh, in his life. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, that, that you have given us another day, that we can use this day to worship you, to, to tell you how much we love you. Um, Father, um, I thank you for the sacrifice that your son Jesus did at the cross to give us life. And, and we would just love to live that life to the fullest for your glory. And, and we need you for that. So please, Father, uh, you know, just flood our hearts with your Holy Spirit and open our eyes to the truths that you have for us today. We ask this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Very well. Let's see Nicodemus. Um, Nicodemus is found in the, probably the most famous chapter in the whole uh, Bible, which is John chapter 3. It begins with these words. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So see, to start, they tell us that he's a Pharisee. So we already know, you know something about him. Pharisees were people that studied the Bible for a living, okay? But he's not just a Pharisee. It says he was a ruler of the Jews, which means he was part of this small group called the Sanhedrin. These are the people that uh, govern the Jewish people. They hear the trials. They enforce the law. But more important, they, they do all the interpretation of the law for the people of Israel. So uh, right out of the gate, we see that Nicodemus had religious power and status. But not only that, see, Nicodemus has a very strong financial status. He's extremely wealthy. We learn from the Talmud, you know, it's, it's an extra biblical account of the times, that he was among the three wealthiest men in Jerusalem. 
So this guy is really rich. Actually, just his name tells us something. Nicodemus is not a Jewish name. It's a Greek name, which means his family had so much money that he, they wanted him to go to Greece to study. They named him with a Greek name, which means this guy went to like an Ivy school of the time. So he's an educated man. He's a rich man. He's a powerful man. You know, he's part of the government of the, of the people of Israel. So what they're trying to pass on to us is a picture of success, but not just any success, as we're going to see. You know, th this guy is really one of the good guys. And, and, you know, with what's happening in our society today, we can understand what this means. So look at what's happened with the Me Too movement. You know, how many men on, on, on powerful positions, famous people, rich people, have fallen out of grace because... Due to that power and position that they had, they abused it and did things that are shameful. And when they were found out, they fall out of grace. You know, or, or, or what's happening with this admission scandal at the colleges. You know, these two women who were famous and liked by people. And all of a sudden, they fall out of grace because something is found out that it's shameful. But as we're going to see, this guy has absolutely nothing to hide. He's one of the good guys. And we can tell that by the way that this um, the passage continues. Look at verse 2. It says, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. See, every time that Jesus talks to a Pharisee, if you, if you go through the Gospels, you're going to see that the Bible warns us against them. It says, this guy came to try to trick Jesus. You know, he came to test Jesus. You know, or, or, or this guy is trying to justify himself, so he says these things to Jesus. But the Bible doesn't say anything like that about Nicodemus, which means his heart was pure. He really was seeking for him. Okay? But, but it's interesting that... The Bible makes it important for us to know that he went to him at night. So why did he do that? See, I have heard a couple of explanations about it. I've heard a pastor once say that uh, it was probably because during the day, Jesus was always surrounded by crowds of people and Nicodemus wanted uninterrupted time with Jesus. It's possible, but I don't think so, okay? Uh, and, and I'm going to tell you why. I think that two other factors are, are in play here. First of all, uh, there's too much at stake for Nicodemus to go during the day. See, he's a member of the Sanhedrin. The Pharisees that formed the Sanhedrin have rejected Jesus as a prophet, let alone as Messiah, and they're willing to expel anyone from the synagogue that recognizes Jesus as anything. But, but Nicodemus can, can already sense that Jesus is someone special, and we know this by the words that he said to him. We know you have come from God. Says, no one can do these signs that you've been doing unless God is with him. So one of two things has happened. Either Nicodemus is in the crowd, maybe you know, dressed like a ninja, so nobody recognizes him and he's, they're, they're watching from the crowd and has seen these things and heard his teachings, or he has sent someone that is taking notes for him and comes and reports to him. And, and so, so he knows about the amazing teachings that Jesus has been teaching, and he has heard or seen the miracles, okay? So he starts to feel this call. See, uh, even with all the success and the popularity that Nicodemus enjoys, uh, I, am, uh, I am sure that he had this emptiness in his heart. See, th this is the case always when a person doesn't really have a, a relationship with God. The only one that can fill the void in your heart is it's God. So if you don't have that relationship, there's going to be this void. 
you know, and, and, and it usually comes in the quiet moments of the night. This is why people need to be entertained at all times, you know, have the TV on or the radio on or a phone, you know, until they fall asleep because if you are quiet for a little while, your heart starts complaining, okay? So, so he had this emptiness, and people will try to fill that emptiness with different things. You know, that's what makes people different. Some will try to go for fun, power, money, or in the case of many of the Pharisees, religiosity, or maybe their popularity. But something inside of him is saying, there must be something else. There has to be something else. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Okay, so clearly, he admires Jesus. But the question for Nicodemus is going to be, is he willing to move from being just an admirer of Jesus to become his disciple? Because you see, being in the crowd doesn't cost you anything. It's very easy, it's fun, but becoming a disciple always costs you something. And, and this is the first lesson that we learn from Nicodemus. Your program has this blank, says, there is no way to become a disciple of Jesus without him interfering with your life. See, Nicodemus is going to learn that there is absolutely no way that he can become a true follower, a true disciple of Jesus Christ without him disrupting completely his life. I believe that by, by going at night, Nicodemus thinks that he can become a disciple of Jesus without anything changing in his life. Does that sound familiar to you? You know, are you trying to be a disciple of Jesus, but you don't want anything to change in your life? You know, are you the you know, 007 Christian that just goes at night to see Jesus because you don't want anyone else to know outside of these walls? Well, this is what's happening with Nicodemus. And look at what happens next. Verse 3 says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Doesn't it blow your mind the way Jesus answered there? I mean, did you hear a question in Nicodemus' words? See, he came out with a statement. He comes and says, we know you're a teacher that comes from God. You know? but, but Jesus knows what he needs the most and what he wants the most in his heart, even if he doesn't know it. He needs to see the kingdom of God. He needs to enter the kingdom of God. So before he even posts the question, Jesus answers. See, I believe that Jesus realized that he had such a short time to do his ministry, just three years, that he's not going to beat around the bushes. He's just going to go straight at it. He knows the question, so he answers. And he says, unless you're born again, it's not going to work. Okay? So he answers this, and as it's usually the case, his answer is not that easy to understand. So, so what exactly did he mean when he said born again? See, the, the direct translation from the weak words is you need a new life from above. You need to be born again with a new life that comes from above, which means you have to start from scratch. You have to start all over again with this new life that will come from above. And this is what makes you know, this conversation with, with Nicodemus so amazing. Just think of what Nicodemus is. You know, at that moment, this is a smart person. He's an educated guy. He's a very powerful man. You know, everybody looks up to him. You know, he's one of the rulers. He's, he's, he's a very influential man. He's one of those guys that, you know, if, if you were at the, the Jerusalem Starbucks and he walks in, everybody's like, oh, Nicodemus, you know? Like, this is one of the guys, you know, powerful person. See, few of us today know someone like that. 
You know, you may know people that went to a very good uh, school, a good college, and they did great, you know, or, or you may know somebody that has a lot of money, or you may know people that are uh, in politics and they're at the very top of the politician, you know, world, or, or, or you may know people that are really good people, but see, Nicodemus is all of those things in one person. He's the real deal. You know, and, and even if you know someone like that, maybe you're thinking, no, no, I know a person like that. When you think of that person, what do you think of them? You think, what a great life this guy has, right? Or this woman has. And yet, Jesus says to him, you need a whole new life. You need to start all over again. So Jesus doesn't see success. He doesn't see education. He doesn't see knowledge or power. You know what he sees? He sees a man in desperate need of new life, which goes to show something very important. See, it doesn't matter how much you have achieved in your life or how little you have achieved in your life. If, if you don't have Jesus in your life, you are missing real life. You're missing everything. See, what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is that life that you're living is lifeless. You don't have real life. It doesn't matter what you have. You don't have real life. So here's the lesson that regardless of where you are in life, what have you accomplished or not accomplished in life, you need to learn. It says this, what you need the most is a whole new life from above. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what you have. What you need, it's a new life from above. And see, that is precisely the difference between Jesus and every other religion or belief system. See, any other religion will tell you, all you need is this next step. You're almost there. You just have to get this other thing. But if you go to Jesus, he'll say, no, you need to start from scratch. All that you've been living without me, it's, it's useless. You need to start from scratch. See, um, Martin Luther King um, thought about this passage once. And what he said about it is, this passage is not about things that you must do or must not do. It's about that you must become. And this is exactly what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. But Nicodemus does not understand it. And he complains right away. In verse 4 he says, says, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's like, what are you talking about, man? That's disgusting. I was like, my mom's not going to like this idea of yours, you know? No. So, you know, so, so Jesus is going to try to clarify it for him. And, and he's going to give us, in answering him, one of the most insightful verses in the Bible about what it means to live in Christ. Verse 5 and 6 say this. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So Jesus just gave him two concepts that combined will explain to us what being born again or having this new life from above means. The first half says you need to be born of water. See, just a couple of chapters before this happened, there had happened a revival in Jerusalem thanks to a man named John the Baptist. See, John the Baptist, you know, came announcing that the Messiah was about to get here. And what he's telling people is to repent. And in order for them to repent, he's baptizing them 
with water. His baptism was the baptism with water for repentance. So this is what Jesus is saying to, to, to Nicodemus. What you need to do is you need to recognize the way you have been living life and recognize that you've been living it away from God. You have to walk away from sin, you know, rebelling from God, by repenting. Now, you and I know that even if we repent right now of all of our sin, you know, and then we continue life, even if in our best day, we're going to trip again, right? We're going, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to sin again. So, so what this means for us is that for the rest of our lives, you and I need to keep repenting. See, this is the lesson in your program. To relate rightly with God, we have to keep repenting and we have to keep turning back. We have to keep turning back. So that means that you and I, over and over and over and over, we have to realize every time that we walk away from God, and we have to walk back to God. But if that was all that he had said, we would be in trouble, right? Because that would mean that it would be by willpower that we just have to keep going back and back and back and, and try to stay in the right course. And this is why he compliments and says, not just water, but you need to be born of the Spirit. See, what Jesus is saying is, we are all born uh, of the flesh, all of us. So we all have a fallen nature. And as long as the only thing that we have in us is that fallen nature, we're never going to be able to relate with Jesus the way that he wants to relate with us. Because in our flesh, we can never do enough to be right with him. So what he's telling Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, even if you follow all your external rules, see, this is what the Pharisees did. They looked good. You know, even the worst ones, all they did is they looked good. They, they tried to do all the rules that people could see. And Jesus is saying, even if you follow all those rules that are external rules, in your heart, you're still sinning. You're still proud. You're still angry. You still envy. You still covet. Because that's in your heart. What you need is to be born of the Spirit. And this is what that means. If you want to relate rightly with Jesus, it has to be by faith via the Holy Spirit. See, you need to have faith via the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, your actions are not enough. You need faith. See, the first gift that the Spirit brings to us is belief. So, so it's not only that you know facts about Jesus, but that you know him as your Savior. That's the belief that you need. See, knowing a lot of things about Jesus is a good thing, but that's not what you need. If you want to relate to Jesus, with Jesus, as your Savior, it needs to be with faith. And, and see, this is the part that... Um, so many people don't understand or, or they have a very hard time rasping. See, it is the Holy Spirit that comes and wakes you up, you know, revives your spirit, starts drawing you to Jesus, and at the end saves you and there starts regenerating your heart. See, the, the very reason why Nicodemus is there standing in front of Jesus is because the Holy Spirit drew him there. See, it started working in his heart even before he was in front of Jesus. He started drawing to him. So what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is, stop relying on you and start trusting me. Allow the Spirit to do its work in, in, in your heart, even if you don't understand it. 
And, and he knew he didn't understand. I'm, I'm sure that when he said those words, Nicodemus must have made a face like, what? Because look at how Jesus goes on. He says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. See, he's telling him, the Holy Spirit moves around and does his work like the wind. He says, you've seen the wind, or have you? You felt the wind. You've seen what the wind can do, but you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it goes. And he says, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. See, the Spirit all of a sudden blows into a person's heart, blows into a church and invades the people of that church, causes revival. See, see, I love this verse because it, it lets you know why this is all true. See, look at the Spirit moving around and working like the wind. See, every time you see people doing certain things, you know the Spirit is moving like the wind. Like when you see a, 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 a selfless act of love to another person from, from one that you don't even know, but you're seeing it, you're seeing the Spirit work. You know, when, when you see people wanting to help one another, that's the Spirit blowing into the heart of a person. You know, uh, when, when, when you... Have you ever seen a person that if you had taken a boat, you would all boat it like, this guy is never going to accept Jesus? You know, a, a hardened person, you know, that is horrible, and all of a sudden breaks down, you know, repents, and all of a sudden the life of that person changed in a way that even, you know, ashames you, that how, how are they running with the Spirit? That's how the Spirit works. See, it works like the wind. You, you don't know where it comes. Look at the different things that the wind can do. You know, um, uh, on, on Friday, my wife and I went to the Mercer Gardens here. You know, it's full of trees that are beautiful, you know. And it was a very nice day. And all of a sudden, the wind passes by softly, you know. And there's like wind chimes that are beautiful. And they make this beautiful sound. But have you been in a hurricane? <laughs> have you seen a tornado? That's also the wind. See, that's, that's the way that the Holy Spirit works in your heart. See, this is why uh, every testimony of new life is different. Have you asked people how is it that they became believers when did they received Jesus? You're going to hear so many different stories. Some people will tell you, no, it was a very long process. You know, I started coming to church and all of a sudden I started understanding some things and little by, I don't even know exactly when it happened. It was very soft. But there's some people say, no, I felt like an electric shock. I felt the spirit started running. No. Some people will say, I had a dream. You know, I, I, I dreamed this person was talking to me and I woke up and I was like, who are you? You know, some people will hear a song while they're here in church and all of a sudden they can't stop crying. You know, or, or, or you read a verse. And maybe you've read that verse a hundred times, but that day, Boom! You know, it hits you. That's the Holy Spirit working like the wind. No one understands exactly how it works. But Nicodemus is not there yet. So look at what happens next. Verses 9 to 14 says, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. 
If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. See, here's the problem with Nicodemus. Jesus just told him, you have not received the testimony of who I really am. See, he's not seeing him for what he really is. And you can tell that by the way he's interacting with him. Let me try to explain to you like this. See, uh, all of you know me as Marco, the pastor of the Cancun campus, right? Uh, when I am in Cancun, um, the people that have been in church with us for over 15 years, you know, they all call me Marco, okay? The, the, the newer people, last five, six years, they call me pastor. You know, there's even a couple of weirdos that call me teacher. You know, like, oh, teacher, no, 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 teacher, you know, like, no, whatever, yeah. Some of my almost oldest friends, you know, they call me Monroy, you know. They, they call me all kinds of different things. But uh, let me show you a picture. See, th these are my children. That's Marco, Alex, Angie, and Kat. You know, this group of people, you know, who I've known all their lives, yeah, they only call me by one name. They call me Papi. Even though in our house the, the official language is English, they have always called me Papi. Up until today, they're all adults and they seem to say, hey, Papi. See, I don't find it strange when, when I am in church and people call me Marco or pastor or even teacher. But you know what would be very weird and very sad? If I went back home tonight and I walked into my house and my daughter came out and said, oh, hi, Marco. <laughs> or, or, hi, teacher. Teach me something. You know, you know why would that be very sad? Because it would be a sign that she and I are not relating anymore in the intimate way that we have been for the last 23 years of our life. It would show that the relationship is not right. See, Nicodemus has called Jesus teacher, which is true. You know, he's teaching. He called him a rabbi which technically is also true. He has disciples and that makes him a rabbi, see? But if he really wants to see the kingdom of God, he's gonna to have to see him in a different light. He needs to see him as his savior. But he hasn't yet. See, what is the difference between his savior and his teacher? A teacher is someone that's going to tell you what to do. But a savior is the one that is going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And this is what Jesus is trying to show him. He's trying to, to picture, put a picture in his head of who he really is. See, notice the amount of times that Nicodemus says the word can. How can this be? How can a man be born? You know? And Jesus says, no, 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 you can't. I can and, and he's trying to open his mind. Look at the, the things that he says to him. He says, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Did, did you notice the we and the are in that phrase? Jesus is saying, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we are all bearing witness to you, but you are not receiving our testimony. You are resisting the Spirit. The Spirit is trying to open your heart and you're trying to stop it. It says, no one has ascended into heaven except he 
who descended from heaven, the son of man. Jesus is telling him who released, I am the son of man. This is a reference to prophets that Nicodemus knows by heart. He says, I am the one, the only one that can and will die for you and your sins. The one that is going to save you in a way that you can never do for yourself. But since he knows that Nicodemus' faith is still weak, he gives him a sign. He says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. There it is. As simple as it can be said, Jesus saying, I am going to be crucified. I am going to be lifted up for everyone to see when I die, and whoever places their faith in me will have eternal life. And after saying this, Jesus is going to pronounce you know, the most known and beautiful verse in the Bible. See, I find it very interesting that thousands of people know this verse by heart, but very few realize that this verse was spoken at night in a one-on-one conversation with Nicodemus. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Nicodemus God loved you so much that he sent me, his only son, so that I will die for you. And the Spirit is giving you the gift of faith. And if you put that faith in me, you will have eternal life. So here's the thing. The Spirit will call you. And if you respond, what he wants to do next is full regeneration of your life. Start from scratch. You know, everything else passes, new things, complete change. Most of us, like Nicodemus, what we're expecting is a bit of redecoration of our heart. But God wants to demolish the house and build a new one on top of that through the Holy Spirit. He wants to invade you with his Holy Spirit and you need to allow that Holy Spirit to do all the transformation. And it's hard, so we resist but thank God, the, the Spirit keeps doing His work. See, we don't hear for, uh, from Nicodemus for a while. Next time he shows up, it's in uh, John chapter 7. By John chapter 7, the popularity of Jesus is just ridiculous. You know, he cannot go anywhere without thousands of people trying to get close to him. He's, he's famous, you know, in a time where uh, towns were like, 500 people down, 100 people down. He gathers like thousands of people, which means they're walking from very far away just to see him. And, and the Jewish leaders, of course, are, you know, twisting inside with MB. You know, so they start plotting. And you know what they're saying? They say, how can we silence this man? I mean, just listen to them. You know, Jesus is giving the most amazing teachings. And these guys are saying, how can we silence him? See, I understand that part of the job of the Pharisees was to identify his false teacher. The problem is they have absolutely nothing against him. They can prove anything against Jesus, but that doesn't stop them. So in John chapter 7, they send a group of guards, say, go and arrest this man, bring him. And out go the guards, and they come back without him, with, I, I suppose with a look of like, oh, you know, like, oh. And they're like, why did you come back without him? And their answer is like, no one has ever taught like this guy. You should listen to him. It's like, what? Have you been deceived as well? 
But see, the, the, the incredible thing is what, what the rationale is for, for not believing in him. They say to the guards, have you seen any of us Sanhedrin people believe in him? You know, if we haven't believed, how can anyone else believe? Because we're the guys, no? So it's like, have you seen any one of us believe? And see, right then and there, the wind of the Holy Spirit strikes again. Because guess who's standing right there questioning the guards among those people? Nicodemus. So could you imagine the struggle in his heart when the head guy says like, have you seen anyone here believe? Nicodemus like, <laughs> because he believes already. So there's this struggle inside of him. He's like, I believe. So is he going to do anything about it? But look at it. John chapter 7 verses 50 to 52 says, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. See, this may not sound like much to us today, but what he's doing is jumping up to defend him in front of the Sanhedrin. You know, he's taking a stand and, and, and the attack comes immediately. Are you one of them? Are you from Galilee too? See, there was a saying in those days that nothing good came out of Galilee. You know, so he's trying to humiliate him. So I suppose that any hope of following Jesus without being noticed is gone for good. And you know what? Um, I think that to all of us, that moment comes one day. There's going to come a moment where you know, you're going to see a confrontation, even if they are not doing it directly to you like with Nicodemus, but you will know in your heart, this is the moment that either I take a stand or I hide in the crowd. When you have to say, no, I'm not going to participate. No, I'm not going to go along with that. No, you know, I, I'd rather not. You know, you're going to have to make a stand. The moment comes to all of us, okay? Uh, apparently, Nicodemus made his decision that day. See, um, things happen very fast after that. Not very long after these events, Jesus is arrested. He's horribly beaten. Um, and as it was prophesied hundreds of years before that, uh, he's crucified until he dies. Uh, every... Uh, disciple except for John abandons him. John is there standing by the cross with Mary, the mother of Jesus. But standing there also, there are two other disciples that up until that day had not expressed their faith to the world. Um, you don't have this verse in your program, but um, I believe that it's going to show on the screen. John 19 verses 38 to 40 says this. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave his permission, so he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen clothes with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. So at the end, uh, Nicodemus understood everything that Jesus had said to him. See, he saw him lifted up. So I can just imagine what happened in his heart when he saw it and thought like, there he is, the son of man. And at that moment, he's willing to risk it all. No longer ashamed to be called his disciple. So, so, so this is the lesson for us. See, the spirit 
calls you to look for Jesus, but you must respond his calling. And you must respond regardless of the cost that comes to you. See, this is what Nicodemus did. See, if you think about it, he felt the calling and he went to him at night. But when his heart was ready, he gave his life for Jesus during the day. Which means that he literally went from darkness to light at an incredible cost. It must have costed him everything. See, I, I don't know um, what is the equivalent to that here in Houston, Texas. Uh, I can tell you what it is in, in Cancun. See, Mexico is a Catholic country, but Catholicism there, more than a religion, is like a cultural inheritance. See, it's a family tradition. So if you, you become a Christian and your family is Catholic, you know, usually what happens is your family believes that you're betraying the family tradition. We have a lot of people in our church that you know, they tell us, and I was like, no, when, if I tell my mom, she's gonna kill me. You know, or, or, or people that all of a sudden disappear for a few weeks from church, and then they show up, it's like, what happened, where were you? It's like, oh, my parents were in town, and they don't know yet, you know, like, <laughs> <I'm> like oh. <laughs> it's a very weird thing, you know, but it's true, you know, it's like, I grew up Catholic, uh, Karina grew up Catholic as well, uh, I remember when my sister Alina and I became uh, Christian believers, you know, I was in the U.S., she was in Cancun, and our parents were like, what kind of a sect did you join? You know, we're not going to go to your things, you know, our brothers and sisters were completely weirded out. My grandmother stopped talking to me for like three years. I mean, really, my, my sister, uh, on her birthday, sent her a Bible wrapped for, as a present. She returned it wrapped, saying, I don't want to go to hell, keep your book. You know, I can tell you that the, the Holy Spirit does its work in an amazing way. If you, if you go to church on Sunday in Cancun, if you go to the 1030 service, the first row is all my family now. My brothers, my sisters, my mother, my father up until he passed. You know, even my grandmother, you know, uh, in, in 2008, you know, um, when the aunt that she was living with died, you know, she was sent to live with my mom. She was 92 years old, and, and she was angry because, you know, she didn't want to be among us weirdos, Christians, you know. So she said to my mom uh, after a couple of weeks, because every Sunday they would say, we're going to go to church, we'll come back for you in a minute. So one Sunday she said, all right, I'll go with you to your thing if after you'll take me to Mass. So my mom said, sure. And she started taking her every week. I didn't see that when it first happened because I was here in Houston. We were living here in Houston. We were sending the videos, you know, of, of, of the sermons. But when I went back in 2009, to me it was amazing. You know, the first time I preached, there was a line of like nine, ten old ladies. My grandmother was bringing friends, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's amazing, you know. <laughs> you know. But they would turn off their hearing aids during the music. They hated it. Then they turn it on. So it was a good thing, you know. <laughs> But see, um, the Spirit does His work in your heart. So if you are here today, you know, there's a reason for it. God is drawing you to Him. And you may be thinking, oh, I already know Jesus. Well, do you? Are you really His? Is this costing you something? You know, are you willing to give it all for Him?
Or are you resisting the Spirit? Because you see, every time that something happens at church and your heart jumps, that means the Spirit is drawing you. You know, if you hear about ministries that need help and you go like, oh, that, but, but you hold you know, yourself back, you're resisting the Spirit. Every time that they announce missions, you know, you have local missions every month and, and your heart kind of jumps a little, but you try to quiet it, you're resisting the Spirit. You know, international missions, you know, there's a mission in May coming to Cancun, you know, commercial. You know, there are spots left. <laughs> you need to call Christy Stark. But anyway, you know, every time that this happens, the Spirit is calling you. So are you resisting it? I want you to understand what happened to Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus spent his life in church thinking he was okay with God until one day Jesus showed up. Has Jesus shown up? Has he truly confronted you and called you and did you go? Whatever the cost. We don't know from the Bible what happened to Nicodemus, but Christian um, uh, tradition tells us that most of his money went to help the cause. And he was martyred later on, so he literally gave his life for Jesus. So the question to you is, are you truly his? Are you willing to live for him? Because this is the invitation. Live for me that I might live in you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word that teaches us all these amazing things. I know, Father, that sitting in this room are people that have built barriers to avoid hearing things like this. But I'm going to ask you, Father, that through the amazing power of your Holy Spirit, you will destroy those barriers and that you will allow your word to go into everyone's heart here and do his work. Call us unto you, Father, because we want to be yours. Help us, Father. It's in your beautiful name that I pray. Amen.